Hey, welcome back to Got Tech the Podcast. This is episode number two titled, Has Anyone Seen My Stapler? In this episode, Nick and I will talk about the importance of being a flexible educator. We'll talk about some strategies to create a positive working environment to open the discussion to professional development. We'll answer our question of the day. And finally, Nick and I will return to the ring in our second App Battle Royale. We'd like to start off uh, episode number two by giving you guys a quick story about one of the most important things for any teacher, and that is, of course, flexibility. Teaching, I think, maybe more than uh, most careers, uh, you have to just be super flexible because we put so much time, so much planning into every single day, every single lesson. No matter what you do, those plans are constantly changing. There's uh, weather issues with snow days, and then in a larger scale, your whole timeline is thrown off. There's students being absent constantly, coming in for extra help when you've got a whole other room full of kids. Adjusted schedules, there's assemblies that are happening, then all of a sudden you have less time than you thought you were going to have. Fire drills, evacuation drills, all sorts of these things are constantly challenging us to kind of rethink on the fly and, and, and come up with something in the moment to do to sort of adjust for that. So we'd like to offer some uh, some tips and tricks, maybe some advice. I know for Geist and I, our school recently passed a referendum and we're dealing with some uh, major construction and people are moving all over the place. I know uh, you, in fact, are moving probably more than anyone else. Um, I'm, I'm shifty. I'm shifty. I'm definitely not flexible in the uh, sense of the term of like yoga flexibility. I, I, I always struggled on the V-sit, but uh, I like to think that I'm pretty flexible as when it comes to being able to handle situations on the fly. Right. Well, we can uh, we could work on the V-set if you need. I, I hear goat yoga is really coming, <laughs> uh, you know, into the forefront picture. Sure. And and I, I did grow up on a uh, on a farm. Yeah. So uh, maybe I'll give that a try. Why not? Yeah, but flexibility is key. I I agree with you a hundred percent. You you talked about the construction and everything that went on with the construction. And I will tell you this, over the last five, six weeks, I had to move offices like five or six times. Yep, and I've seen it. No big deal. Um, there are things in the day that you have to get accomplished, but when it when it comes to it, you, you really just have to be a team player and play ball. But I'm, I'm going to tell you this, it kind of made me laugh a little bit. I remember growing up watching a movie, uh, Office Space. It's the best. Yeah. That's one of my top... I mean, as far as comedy movies, it's got to be top five at least. I've only seen it maybe two or three times. Two to three times? Yeah, maybe two to three times. And right. and I will tell you that the, the character in that movie that started like on the top floor and mm-hmm. kept getting moving down, moved down, moved down do to the his, boiler room. Do you know his name? I don't. That's Milton. Milton. Uh, he's the best. All right, so... <laughs> Basically, I feel like Milton. And just to give you, paint this little picture, I, I went from a decent-sized office where I had a couple shelves, a couple bookcases, a couple filing cabinets, a desk, into progressively smaller spaces. And now I'm in the middle of the media center, towards the side, surrounded by three <laughs> um, movable bulletin boards, like little space dividers. Yeah. So... I like it there. I have a window now. It I looks. Mean, uh, it's just to give people an accurate image. It, it looks like you live in the middle of a shanty town. Okay. <laughs> I live in the middle of a shanty town then. But you know, for me, when my job is to take care of the books, 
technology integration with teachers, work with them, get new practices put into play. I have databases. I'm the Chromebook initial, you know, frontline guy, but I found myself moving a lot. And, you know, it's really teaching me how to utilize different spaces. I, I had a couple good setups over the last five weeks. Yep. So that's me as a tech specialist in the media center where I don't actually have any physical classes. You have some physical classes. You teach sure. chemistry, AP chemistry, regular chemistry. At one point, you taught biochemistry with me. Yep. What are some strategies or what are some benefits of being flexible in your own classroom? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I got some just earlier today. We're, uh, our periods today are a l- little bit shorter uh, than we're used to, so I've got less time. Still trying to do like a normal kind of sized lesson, but it's a little bit less time to do it. Right. It's a it's the start of a new mark or new semester. So we have our semester classes, uh, our new ones kicking yeah. off. So uh, we do a rotated block schedule where we drop a period from the morning and we drop a period from the afternoon into six sessions. So we have eight total classes that we could have. So today, because it's the first day of the new semester. Everyone gets to see each class, and the periods are shorter. Just to clarify a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, that's good. So I, I guess the point is my, uh, my periods are from like sixty minutes down to forty. Not that big a deal, but you, you got to be aware. Still trying to do a full lesson. Everybody's sick. Um, a lot of teachers are sick. Kids are sick. Uh, class comes in earlier. I know I've got forty minutes. I think I can do it. And all of a sudden, the f- I think it's like five students in that one class. The five students who were absent, they're all back today. And of course, you know, they're, they're, the kids are great. They they come in. They know they've been out. First thing they do is walk up to me. Crowd of five students standing around me, and they all want work that they missed, that they were absent for. Which, by the way, is the absolute correct thing to do. And normally, I would indulge that and and give them whatever they need and talk to them a little bit about what they missed and their adjusted due dates for things and whatever homework and whatever, all this stuff. But I know I've got 40 minutes and I I know it's going to probably take me a good five to do all that. And you kind of, if if you've been in this situation, you kind of start to feel that panic rise, like, oh my God, there goes five minutes, maybe more. So by the time we actually start, my 40 minutes is now 30 minutes, and it's just not going to happen. So you kind of, I guess what I'm trying to say is I had this moment of, uh, you, you sort of kind of have to ask yourself, like, is it worth getting stressed about this right now? Like, can I put this off? Do I have to get worked up or can I find like a quick way around it? So I just sort of centered myself and thought, okay, these five kids, they don't really need these assignments right now. So I sort of put it on the back burner and I told them, why why don't you guys just go sit down, follow along with the lesson for today, pick up whatever you can. And why don't you stay after class for five minutes and and we'll handle it at that time. So it's like a quick solution in the moment, kind of just reminding yourself, you don't have to do everything that's in front of you in that exact second. And it it went a lot smoother after that. Now I've seen you teach uh, your courses all the time. He's a fantastic teacher. I, I have to give him that. Wouldn't say that, but thank you. Well, you just got teacher of the year. I was waiting to bring that <laughs> out, but he just got teacher of the year. So we got to throw that in there. But uh, he very rarely has his students sitting down for more than 10 or 15 minutes without doing something active. So I could see you in that situation, telling them to go sit down, getting the class started, waiting for them to be working on whatever today's assignment or activity is in class and then going and pushing out those assignments then. I can see you doing something like that. But you you brought up a good point about getting worked up over things. And uh, my grandfather or my father or someone told me that uh, this, but it has nothing to do with education, but I kind of apply it throughout my life. And is it something that's going to matter 
two weeks from now? Is it something that's going to matter two months from now? Is it something that's going to matter a year from now? If the answer is no, then it's probably something that can be handled at a different time. I mean, I th- I'd sorry to cut you off, but I, th- I think what I'm really, as you were talking, I realized what I was really trying to say. Just calm down. Just calm down. It's going to work out. The absent kids were going to get their assignments, uh, whether I did it now or then. And even if I did it now and my lesson was pushed off, it's, it's okay. Stuff always works out. I think it kind of stems from the amount of planning that teachers do put into their day. You, you know there's so much work behind it that it's just frustrating when you see it maybe going off course. And that, that, that results, you know, that kind of causes some of that stress and anxiety. But, uh, yeah, you just sort of calm down. It'll, it'll figure itself out most times. There it is. All we have to do is just calm down and keep <laughs> on trucking. You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast. You can follow us on our website at www.gottech.com. Or you could go over to Twitter and follow us at We Got Teched. Nick, we're now in our third year of integrating one-to-one technology in the form of Chromebooks into our classroom. So I think that we're knowledgeable enough that we could start giving some tips and tricks on how to better manage the one-to-one classroom. I'd say so. So I'll get us started off, and the first thing that we need to really talk about is motivation, your your feelings going into this. All right, I'm going to start us off. What I want to say is be kind to yourself, because a lot of times we go in, we put a lot of pressure on making things perfect, and really, in essence of everything, your students are just going to appreciate that you're trying something new and you're trying something different, and you're trying to mix up your classroom enough and give them an opportunity to be engaged and to learn in a different manner. What I'm going to say is just be kind to yourself. Right. Well, they will appreciate that you're trying new things. You know what I mean? They, they like when you try some different things. They get to do different things, so you have to kind of be ready to accept the fact that it may not be like a perfect, seamless lesson like we always envision and we always want it to be. And that's okay. People understand. The students understand. Everybody knows that when you try new stuff, it may not be perfect the first time. Yeah, and, and something that goes along with that of being kind to yourself is really starting off basic. You don't want to go straight into it and all of a sudden flip your classroom where you have a lot of moving pieces. You just want to start something simple. Maybe you're integrating a video into the classroom and the students are coming up with discussion questions and then starting to talk about them. doesn't have to be this big elaborate plan. Or use a, a Google form at the end of a lesson rather than a slip of paper to figure out what the students learned during that lesson and you collect the data electronically. It's another nice easy way to start small. So the first thing is just to be kind to yourself and stay simple. I kind of also want to just give some people maybe some concrete techniques to to use when you're managing a classroom when you're not up there lecturing and and talking at the students because it can feel a little bit strange. We're used to, you know, being hyper in control of everything that's happening and maybe even the only one that's doing or saying anything. So it can be daunting. Uh, Some of the ones that we've used and talked about in the past are um, you just need a good way to kind of get all the students' attention when they're all working and looking at a screen. So one of the things I like to say is uh, 45 it or 45 degrees or eventually, actually my students just know 45 means that they need to stop looking at the laptop screen and close the 
the lid so it's at a 45 degree angle. They don't shut it, so pretty soon they're going to probably open it again to keep working. But uh, 45 is just a nice, clear, quick tension getter to kind of get them all back with you. Right. I, I, I find that that method is definitely a good one for the older students. But the younger students, they might not know what 45 means. They might not know it in <laughs> yep. degrees. So I've heard some teachers say, one, two, three, eyes on me. And that's also a good way of doing it. And if you get them in the habit of having some type of method there, they catch on and it really just becomes instinct after a while. The other thing that's worth thinking about, it's kind of late uh, going into this year, but for your next, the start of your next school year, think about creating some classroom policies that address tech that some of the tech not technological things that are going to be happening uh, with computers, such as do you expect them to have it every day? Uh, if they are, should it be charged every day? Do you allow charging in the room? A lot of the stuff that we would worry about in a one-to-one classroom, you can take care of just with normal classroom uh, policies, rules, procedures, just like any other classroom has. Just now they kind of reference some of the tech technology things that are happening. I think a big piece of that is uh the digital citizenship piece. If you start off the year with your expectations of how they're supposed to act with the technology and kind of identify what is a safe space and what is uh, uncharted waters that they shouldn't be going into. Sure. One I, one thing I hear from a, a lot of teachers too, uh, kind of along those same lines is, well, how do I know they're just not going to be watching videos while they're supposed to be working on stuff? And uh, my response to that is always, well, how do you know they weren't doing stuff they weren't supposed to be doing in a regular classroom. Uh, you, you just because you're the teacher, you're in the room, you walk around, you see what they're doing, um, and, and you monitor, you control, you set procedures that to help keep those things in check. Yeah, so I, I think all those are great tips. Uh, let's move on to the next uh, trick or tip, and that's really just to collaborate and use your tech-comfortable colleagues. One thing that we're blessed with with this one-to-one technology programs is we're able to share things more easily. We're able to start a Google Doc while I'm teaching, and then you carry it on while you're teaching the next uh, period if we're collecting data in a science classroom or, or if we want to collaborate on a tech integration project for a lesson, we could easily do that. But those uh, teachers who are tech comfortable, those that are tech savvy. I know I didn't want to use that in the last <laughs> episode, but maybe if this is your first episode, uh, you would understand that a little bit more than tech comfortable. But these tech comfortable teachers are great resources. If you're able to find some common planning time throughout the day and work with them, you are now creating a lesson or an activity that could be used by everybody. And after a while, if you keep making lessons together and you keep sharing them, you're going to come up with a repertoire with a collection that is going to really be beneficial and enhance student learning. And that's our end goal after, you know, after the day is done. Did the students learn something? Were they engaged? Did they have fun? Sure. You, got to, uh, you just got to talk to those people and, and surround yourself conversations, uh, professional conversations with the people that, you know, are doing this kind of stuff because it doesn't take long. You just have to hear someone, you know, bring up some new app that you didn't know about and, and, you, and you look at it and you give it a try. It doesn't even have to be very time consuming. So um, I think let's move on to talk about some apps and some other uh, technology pieces that kind of help teachers keep track of what's going on in their one-to-one classroom. We looked up uh, several of these uh, just to give you guys some variety and some option on some different things you could use um, because it is an issue. If all your students are working on computers, uh, it is pretty easy for them to get off task, but as they see you kind of monitoring and, or walking around the room, uh, you know, they can just minimize whatever window that they're, that they're on that they're not supposed to be on 
and when you go by it looks like like they're working and there's ways to kind of keep track of that we should probably start with the two that we're familiar with i guess our school right now uses one called hapara and hapara which is h-a-p-a-r-a is a great tool it's all web-based so you log in to what's called the dashboard um, the teacher dashboard and from that point you click on one of your classes and when you click on it it lets you see the pretty much the computer screen of every student that's in that class in front of you. It gives it to you in a list form, so it kind of says the, the title of each window that they have open, uh, so you can see everything they're seeing. Um, it also lets you, from that same screen, close out windows that they're on, so technically you could stop them from looking at something without even saying it. You just hit the little X. Uh, that one can be super fun sometimes because it just disappears on their screen. They don't even really know what happened. No warning. No warning. That's my favorite way to do it. But they eventually they figure out that you're the one that's kind of controlling things. And you don't even have to have it on all the time. If they know you have the ability to do that, it kind of just stops them from looking at stuff they're not supposed to anyway. Yeah, and with Alpara, there's one thing that I have to point out. And with any other tech program, Students are going to be extremely smart. In most cases, they're going to be one step ahead of you, and this program's no different. Uh, our students found out if they don't use their school email, their computer will not show up in Hampara. It has uh. to be through our school email. So that's one thing to take a look at. Ask them if they're they're on their school email if you decide to use Hampara. Yeah, but then you, I mean, that's true. I guess that's true, but you could just build that into your policy, like, hey, you have to be on your school email, or... I believe when you look at the class, it tells you which students are viewable or not. So if someone's not viewable, I guess you could just ask them, hey, can you get on your school email? Yeah. What's the uh, what's the old, before we got Hapar, there was another one we used to use. Do you remember what it's called? Uh, school View. School View. I don't know. Do you remember much how School View worked? Uh, I remember we had a computer lab at that time, and that's when we had the computers, and it kind of just uh, monitored all the computers that were in that classroom. Okay. I'm not sure if that used the email or if you would be able to track them throughout the building based on, you know, if they logged in or not. Yeah. I, I'm not too familiar with that, but the point is there's a lot of these out there. Right. And this is just another added security measure for yourself if you want to have more control of your classroom. But I'll be honest, I like to find other ways. Uh, those are some ways uh, that you could do that. They cost money. They'll cost the district a subscription fee or annual hosting fee right. or something like that. But if all the students are facing the same way in the classroom, if you're doing something that requires them to stay at their seats and they're all facing the same way, I just say go behind them. Sure. Yeah, go to the back of the room. Because that makes them nervous enough knowing that they can't see you. Right. And... They can't see what you see of theirs. Yep. So, I mean, that's my biggest thing there. I like free. That's an easy solution. I like free, and, and that is an easy solution. The uh, I did, I, as I was looking up some of these, uh, Edmodo, which is a little more common just as a learning management system. I believe, I know an Edmodo teacher account is free, and they do have some class monitoring software just as part of that package now where you can see what your students are looking at on their computers. Uh, that might be a free option if anybody out there is interested in trying some of these out. But uh, yeah, Hapara and Schoolview do both uh, cost money. But you, if you're really into it, you could talk to your district and see if they'd be willing to uh, to help you out with that. Yeah, and most of these places, uh, these uh, technologies will give the school a uh, trial period as well, so you can check it out. You did bring up a good point in, uh, in a learning management system. You, you talked about Edmodo. Uh, that, that's a great tip in itself is get connected with a LMS, a learning management system. There's sure. Uh, Google Classroom, 
Edmodo, Sophia. There's tons of them out there. We use OnCourse, but right. that's a, another thing that the district pays for. TED-Ed, they do some uh, LMS kind of stuff too. Yeah, so there's a lot of those out there. But the last thing I want to talk about, you're going to have all different levels of students, and you're going to have students that get done with things very quickly and, and students that get done with things more slowly. Uh, for those quick students, an easy tip is for each topic that you teach or each chapter that you teach, just make sure that you have a couple of websites, a couple of videos. Maybe a, there are a couple gaming sites out there for your topic. So for that fast learner, just make sure that you have a couple of websites, a couple of videos that they can kind of go through and get a little extra work. These videos should be interesting. I know in chemistry, you always did explosions. Yep. You like to show violent chemical reactions <laughs> on videos. For me, I like to make lava lamps uh, out of veggie oil and stuff like that. Uh, veggie oil and uh, food coloring and water and Alka-Seltzer. Sure. And I, I like to put music to the background and make a little video like that. And they thought it was pretty cool. But you do, uh, I'll, I'll add to that, you do need to have a plan for that kind of thing. Because um, that can go pretty bad too. I tried... One of my one of my units that I flipped, so all the kids were working at their own pace. I had like an extra project at the end, but I had no plan in place for whether or not everybody had to do it, or if just some people had to do it, or if it was even required. So it was kind of a mess. Just make sure you think about that sort of thing ahead of time before you put it out there for the kids. Yeah, so if you do a gaming site, kids like to play games, and if it's educational and they're learning or just solidifying what they know from that unit that would be a worthwhile topic they love videos uh, and also some of the sites that have interactive parts also are pretty cool to them all right so that's some of the best ideas we have for managing a one-to-one -one classroom remember be kind to yourself it's not always going to be perfect uh, there's a lot of good techniques and things uh, things you can say to get students attention besides just being present in the classroom and when all else fails, just stand in the back of the room so you can watch whatever they're doing on their computer screens. Use your uh, tech-comfortable colleagues whenever possible. Everybody's very willing to help. Uh, you just can't be afraid to ask. And finally, there's lots of good apps out there uh, and web-based tools that help you monitor student uh, activity on computers, such as Hapara, Edmodo, or SchoolView, and many others. <laughs> It is time for the tech question of the day. This week's question comes from Christine Berry. She's another colleague of ours. Uh, we're hoping later on, maybe once we get a couple listeners out there, that we can get some questions from our listeners. But until then, we're going to use the resources that we can find. But this is Christine Berry. She uses Kahoot, and she has a question about managing Kahoot. Hello, my name is Christine Berry. I'm a Mandarin Chinese teacher at Timberlane Middle School and Central High School. So today I have a question for you, and my question is, when using Kahoot in the classroom, what are some strategies to keep student sign-in names school appropriate? So how can we keep student sign-in names school appropriate? And I know that some, some of our students like to get a little creative, and sometimes it could be pushing the limit of, you know, being school appropriate or being not school appropriate, and they might think it's funny and along those things, but at the end of the day, we need to make sure that our classes ran in a certain manner that goes with the 
fundamental principles of our school. So the first way that I would answer this question is I believe Kahoot has a nickname generator and she can just have their class use the nickname generator and that would just automatically pop up nicknames. They would be assigned a random one and, and they could go right right into it. The, uh, the nickname generator, by the way, is super easy when you're looking at the home screen for Kahoot. Um, they call it the lobby, but uh, on the home screen, I just call it the home screen. Uh, there's just a little button there. There's a little button feature, and you just can click it on or off. You say nickname generator on or off, and if it's on, when the students enter the pin that you provide them, it kind of just automatically provides the name and takes care of the whole problem. That, that's pretty cool. If you uh, if you do want to give them some creativity, because sometimes that's nice for your students, I always think of about, about providing them like a template for whatever their names can be. So they get the creativity piece, but like within sort of a certain realm. Um, I always offer them the, a format of a color plus an animal. I kind of stole that from one of those old Nickelodeon shows. I think it was Legends of the Hidden Temple with like the purple monkeys or whatever. But just tell them their name has to be a color plus an animal and they have fun with it and pick all kinds of goofy stuff and you don't have any problems. Yeah, that's that's so cool because a couple of years ago, uh, I a bunch of friends and I, I mean, we're in our 30s, but we wanted to participate <laughs> in Halloween in some way, shape or form. So we all dressed up as the hidden legends of the hidden temple or oh, awesome what is it called i think it's legends of the hidden temple but i can't it's been so long see i always put hidden out front and i oh uh, really yeah i don't know i i all i know is we were the purple monkeys <laughs> that's the that's the best one yeah so i know there's snakes there's yeah. some other animals but that that's a very clever idea uh the other way that i typically use kahoot and getting my students when i taught to select appropriate names is that uh, I would just tell them they had to put their first and last initial out at the front, and then they could make their name whatever it is. And the reason why I did that is that allowed there to be some ownership, and that really tightened. They knew I could figure out who NJ was or EG, who that who that is. And um, by doing that, that pretty much eliminated any inappropriateness. I also saw. I just thought of this one too. There's a. I can't give a good description of where it is, but if you anybody wants to find this just google image search for what i'm about to describe there's a picture out there somewhere and it's two columns kind of uses the color animal thing um but there's two columns of just random words and to get the group name the students are allowed to pick any word from the first column and combine it with any word from the second column and it just gives all kinds of silly kind of goofy names and that's just sort of like another play on the uh, color and animal option so there's definitely some ways uh to do this and i hope i hope some of you got some good ideas It's time for the Chick Battle Royale! That's right, it is time for our second Tech Battle Royale. As I come away with the first victory of our podcast, going over one tab in the productivity category, my one tab defeated Nick's Fluberoo. Only slightly. It was by a landslide. <laughs> but uh, yeah, one tab. Easy way for you to manage all your tabs in the web browser. It is an extension. Go get it. Take a look at our last week's podcast if you want more information about that. Defeated Nick's Fluberoo, which is an automatic grader that you can add on to Google Sheets. So uh, it is time to spin the wheel of tech. But before we do that, let's have Nick go over some of our categories. So we've got uh, we've got 12 
total categories. We're not going to go over all of them every time, but just so you get a sense of the types of things we can talk about. We've got a category for productivity, screencasting, STEM, browsers and navigation, fun and games, as well as some categories that let teachers and students choose what uh, topics might be their favorite type of apps and tech. All right, so let's go ahead and let's spin the wheel of tech to see what our category is this week. Okay, so it looks like this week we've got um, art and music, an interesting category, especially since we're both, uh, well, I'm a science teacher and you're, you were a science teacher. But I think we've got some good good ones in the bag for this. And I guess since you won last time, you should probably get to talk about yours first. I think that's fair, but I got to I gotta throw a shout out real quick. I did enroll in an art class when I was in college. Professor Bird, if you're out there, I want to thank you for giving me some honest yet harsh constructive criticism uh, after taking the intro class to art she realized that i struggled with stick figures and she said maybe we should part ways and uh, i think it reduced the amount of anxiety and stress i had at that time but uh miss bird dr bird i want to thank you for that now uh let's go right into it I am going to stick with the music category because I said that my art category, I would rate myself at a minus one out of ten. I can back that up. I've seen him draw before. It is terrible. My music isn't that much better. I can't hold a tune. I can't keep a beat. But this week's website, my tech tool, is Incredibox.com. And this allows those of us like myself who are not musically gifted to go out and become somewhat acceptable in the realm of music. And uh, Nick, I think you're going to like this one. So anyone that wants uh, more info about Incredibox, Incredibox.com will have it down in the show notes. But what it does is it has these characters. And uh, you click on the characters and it allows you to choose a melody or basic beat. And uh, you click on the character and it comes out and it does the same thing over in the time that you would need to keep a solid steady beat and uh i would think that you would use this for introduction to presentations your students can use it in their projects to have a background music or keep a beat maybe they're doing some type of lesson where they could get creative and make a song or a rap about something instructional but incredibox i'm telling you it's incredible. Is it? Um, is there only one sound, or can you add, like layer multiple sounds together? I think you could have up to ten sounds going at once, and like I said, it could be a beat or a melody or, or some type of beatboxing mechanism in there. It's pretty cool. That sounds pretty cool. I think since you went music, I guess I'll have to go music too, just so it's a fair competition. Um, but I think I may have you on this one, just because my uh, music. A themed site is called Flowcabulary. Um, you can find it at flowcabulary.com. It does all kinds of stuff. You can create classes, upload student lists, um, so you can electronically assign things, almost like a learning management system in and of itself. Um, and that offers all kinds of different things you can do with it. If you don't want to go that far, because I know that kind of represents a lot of work, and at least for me, when I hear that, it kind of sometimes turns me off because I don't want to go through the hassle of inputting students and class lists. So you don't need to do any of that. Uh, there's all sorts of uh, free ways to use this site as well. Pretty much um, you can send your students there almost in like a link format. And when they when they go there, um, they can find, first of all, all kinds of pre-made 
made music videos. Uh, most of them are kind of like a hip-hop or rap-themed video that address certain educational topics. The idea is that it's in a, in a music format, so it's a little more interesting to the kids. These are also kind of all teacher-created, so it kind of weeds out some of the junk that would otherwise be on YouTube. So there's pre-made things. My favorite part of it is not the pre-made stuff. It is various pages that explains and allows students to create their own educational uh, rhymes and also provides uh, some pre-made beats. I think there's like 150 different beats that are already there and it gives instructions on how to write a, a rap or some kind of like a hip-hop themed lyric and then it lets you match it up with the proper beat and it kind of just walks the kids through the process which is great for someone like me who would have absolutely no idea how to do that you can just kind of send them there and it walks them through the process and it lets them kind of create really cool stuff there's all sorts of other stuff you can do with it if you actually sign up um, but like i said the, the free version the free trial offers all those things in and of itself i feel like you just did a mic drop there yeah, if I could drop this mic, I would have dropped it. Please don't. I do I do have one question for yours, because I think as it is right now, I've got a little bit of an edge on you, unless, and I don't know I don't know if you know this much about, uh, what, what is yours called again? Incredibox.com. Yeah, I, I can't even remember the title. That should tell you something right there. My, uh, <laughs> my question is, uh, does it record? So if you're making the beat, does it record for you or would you have to use like a secondary it app? Does, to it does record for you and what it will allow you to do is download that beat. And uh, you can also vote on other people's beats. So other people's beats will show up. It's publicly uh, there. And uh, you could go in and listen to all different types of beats. You can listen to your own collection of beats and you can use these beats in your projects. So I feel like uh, Incredibox has everything that yours has, but I think yours goes more into the LMS and also has tutorial on how to use it. So Nick, I'm gonna have to give you this week's Battle Royale. This will even it up to one to one, but I'm telling you next week you better bring the heat because I'm gonna come back in a, in a strong fashion. Bring it on. While I may be victorious in this episode's tech battle, we can all be winners by remembering to stay calm and remain flexible. Whether you're struggling with classroom management, feeling uncertain tackling new tech, dealing with last minute schedule changes, or have simply lost your stapler, remember to take a deep breath and do what you can with the tools at hand. The Chinese philosopher Confucius once said, the green reed which bends in the wind is stronger than the mighty oak which breaks in a storm. As teachers, we often see ourselves as unbending mighty oaks, but it's important to remember that remaining flexible and rolling with the punches is often the best path. In a profession where we constantly strive for control, it can be difficult to step back and acknowledge the instances where we have none, but this is an important skill to develop and leaves you much more likely to weather the storm. So in honor of flexibility, and dis despite Geis's tragic defeat, I'll close the show with a custom-made beat from his tech selection in today's battle, Incredibox. Check out the site if you like what you hear, and click over to Flocabulary for tips on what to do with your newly custom-made track. Remember that you can stay up-to-date with podcasts, blogs, and other cool resources by following us on Twitter at WeGotTeched and by visiting our website, GotTeched.com. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.